Hello and welcome to Case Reopen, the number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me as always is Colleen. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing great. We're talking about episode 210 of Detective Conan, The Water Palace of Five Colors Legend, part one. I love the title. It's so legendary, mythical. Oh, it's good. Yeah, and uh, this this episode deals with a whole lot of folklore, which is interesting. I love, uh, maybe it is just like a regional thing. There's all these legends in these Detective Conan episodes. Like, when I go somewhere, <laughs> like, if I go to a pond, there's not, like, this <laughs> myth and a demon associated with it. I, I feel like, I mean, I guess um, America and Canada have both been, um, like, in terms of being, like, colonized, have been very, you know, there's not as much history to come from because we're just a couple hundred years so you think that like japan you know they have a much richer history so i guess that leads to um you know mythology kind of building around regions more than like here like what what the hell did we have like paul bunyan you know like <laughs> north america is isn't as exciting no. I don't know. Maybe don't know. Canada is different. Are you like, oh, the, you go to the local Timmy Hortons and you're like, <laughs> oh, there's a demon here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, remember that one guy who accidentally dropped his donut and now he's haunting the place? Yep. That's our folklore. No, but I'm, oh, yeah, I totally demon, agree. <laughs> I'm going to drink this coffee. Yeah. I totally agree with you, though. Um, and I guess it's not until we delve into like the native uh legends that we can really find anything to do with like oh maybe this tree has some sort of legend around it or this body of water but uh yeah that that yeah for sure yeah there's definitely some stuff with the uh the first people and such um so uh this episode episode 210 aired October 23rd 2000 in the Conan's Hint, um, which I'm sure you remembered from whenever we last recorded, uh, <laughs> was Hanging Scroll. Sure. I never remember the hints going into the episodes, um, so I always have to like look back on it and think, hey, was that a good hint? So that's what my mind I don't even think at. we saw a Hanging Scroll. Um, I mean, we saw a scroll on the floor. It wasn't hanging. Oh, though. well, there you go. See, that's a lie then. It should have been fallen scroll yeah, like the lying scroll or something lying oh don't get me Anyhow. started with that <laughs> like pronouncing it's fine but writing that word oh, one of my pet peeves in writing as uh canon introduces the episode he says a strange detached room in the legendary pond as the water changes the water will turns <laughs> that last part like easily go into like some little tune as the water changes the water wheel turns da, 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 da. yeah he's like bob dylan man old, old counted <laughs> out there singing with his guitar so we see kegra ron and conan they go on a trip and they're actually uh substitutes for the suzuki family sonico's family 
um, and her her father couldn't make it, so they're the replacements, <laughs> and they are attending a tea meeting at the Anogi family house. I feel like there's like five typical motives for Kogoro and family to be anywhere, and they just keep like recycling them. So it's like, oh. They're random substitutes for something that has nothing to do with Kogro's job. And then they have like, oh, Kogro is actually hired to do something. And then there's like vacation time. So we're just going through the cycle. Do you know much about like team meetings? Like this is very much uh, like a regional thing that like I have no real grasp of the concept. Not really. I mean, I understand that it's not, you know, they get a tea bag and pour some hot water on it there's like an actual like uh there's specific equipment they they have to use and there's like a special like brush type of thing it's not even a brush i don't even know what the correct terminology is but like i don't know enough about sort of the meaning behind the ceremony to really comment on it but i would like to participate in one one day if i get the opportunity so i'm on the the wikipedia page for japanese tea ceremony <laughs> And it says that procedures vary from school to school. And uh, the noon tea gathering of one host and a maximum of five guests is continued the most formal. So this was similar. I think there was, what, four guests? or Three guests, well, maybe... two, uh, what are they, apprentices? Yeah. Um, so the following is a general description. The guests arrive a little before the appointed time and enter an interior waiting room. So we saw that. They store all their unneeded items, such as coats, put on fresh socks. Ideally, the waiting room has a tatami floor and an alcove in which a hanging scroll, which may allude to the season, the theme of the meeting, or some other appropriate. So I guess there's a theme to the meeting. Because I guess my big question was, like, why are they having this meeting? Like, <laughs> is, is the tea that good? Like, uh, well, what's the point? Is there business to discuss? So uh, the guests are served a cup of hot water. I did, I was wondering, they were like, oh, let's enjoy some hot water while we wait. I was like, <laughs> what? That is such a non-North American thing. <laughs> Yeah, who the hell wants hot water? It's apparently healthier for you than cold water, but uh, uh, it, I don't know if no it's thanks. as refreshing. So after the guests have arrived and finished their preparations, they proceed to the outdoor waiting bench where they remain until summoned by the host. Following a silent bow between host and guests, the guests uh, proceed to order a sukubai, a stone basin where they... Ritually purify themselves, blah, blah, blah. Uh, After they've taken their place, they close the door with an audible sound to alert the host who enters. An audible sound? Like they bang, <laughs> close the door, like it has to make a sound. <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly what they do. They answer questions posed by the first guest about the scroll and other items. Do, do, do. You know, I said I wanted to participate in this, but now that I think about it, I would probably be like Kogro, like so unrefined and my legs would just fall asleep and cramp. So the host will then proceed with the preparation of an individual bowl of thin tea. I didn't know there were so many types of tea, um, which is then served to each guest. Earlier portions of the gathering conversation is limited to a few formal comments. Uh, after a ritual exchange, the guests may engage in casual conversation. After all the guests have taken tea, the host cleans the utensils 
Uh, the guest of honor will request that the host allow the guests to examine some of the utensils. Ooh, let me see the spoon. Hmm. <laughs> ah. The tea caddy and the tea scoop. This examination is done to show respect and admiration for the host. The items are treated with extreme care and reverence as they may be priceless, irreplaceable, handmade antiques. And guests often use a special uh, cloth to handle them. Because they did make a big deal here later in the episode about like, ooh, I got a new teacup. <laughs> That's I brought right. you a, a special one here. And it's like, it's a teacup. But, well, you know. one of the guys is an antique dealer, right? And that was like yeah. a whole point of contention with the, the woman. And she's just like, <laughs> I don't think she actually says anything. You just can tell from her body language that she's bothered by this, <laughs> like he's one-upping her with this teacup. Yeah, so it says the host then collects the utensils, the guests leave the tea house, the host bows from the door, and the gathering is over. A tea gathering can last up to four hours, depending on the type of occasion performed, and the number of guests, and the types of meal and tea served. So, uh, sounds like a pleasant day out. I don't really know if it's my jam. I don't think I'd want to spend four hours just to have some tea. (laughs) It better be damn good tea. Yeah, but uh, there you go. Since ours isn't completed in this episode, somebody has to kill the, the headmaster. Yeah, we never get... But, like, did they even get their tea? <laughs> they they never did. They just had the hot water. No. Imagine, you're so thirsty. You're like, oh, I can't wait for this tea. And all you get is hot <laughs> water the entire day. This is like half of what I was expecting. Terrible. Like, there's no flavor to it. Um, I also like that later on, I don't know if we, you're going to touch on this, but uh, there's a part where the tea master's, you know, talking about how great the tea is. And then he offers Kogoro sake. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah, you gotta, you can't have the tea till later. I mean, after that hot water, maybe you want something a little stronger, Kogoro. So uh, they enter the backyard, back to the episode. Um, they all enter the backyard where there's a pond that shines in five colors. It turns out the colors change depending on which way the sun is facing, which is why it's called the Water Palace of Five Colors. Currently, it is yellow with the sun reflecting off the water. So Ron's like, wow, this is so pretty. <laughs> I wish there was a... Is that Ron's whole role this episode to like just look outside and look at the water? Because she kind of does that several times during this. Pretty much. I think she's just there to take it all in because obviously Kogro and Conan aren't really interested. Conan, like, from the very get-go, he's like, why am I here? I shouldn't have bothered coming. The housekeeper, Yoshiko Hanasaki, introduces the family to the students there. I was like, oh, students, they'll probably be in their young, early 20s, and then, like, one dude's 50, and the other person's, like, late 30s. Um, So the first one is an antique dealer, an older man, uh, middle-aged man, named Morio Yakura. And then we have a woman who's a manager of a company. Her name is Yukari Mimura. So they're learning how to become tea ceremony masters i guess i just realized that morio's last name is like similar to her first name and then also i don't know it just seems like their names are very similar yeah so they mentioned that the master is hard to please and kogoro complains about being the substitute 
Conan then sees the housekeeper walking across a bridge to the middle of the pond, which is the tea room, where she's going to talk to the headmaster. We are then introduced to Ryoichi Anogi, who is the headmaster's son, and he welcomes them to the ceremony. He seems pretty nice, and then Yukari's like, Hey, why don't you tell him about the demon of the pond that killed your mother, huh? And it kind of kills the mood, and he's like, I don't want to talk about it. And then he leaves. I hate you people. What is your first impression of this group of tea lovers? Um... (laughs) I felt like the only one that I could trust was the housekeeper. And then at the end of the episode, when Conan's talking about all the culprit or like all the suspects, uh, she is there in that montage. I was like, okay, like maybe I can't trust her. Um, so she seemed fine. And then the son was also fine. It was the, the two students that kind of got me a little suspicious. Like one, the Yukari, the woman was like almost too grouchy to be the the one the the culprit i was like okay they're obviously making her out to be like this so that we think that okay she did it because she's mean and then morio is like i don't know unnecessarily jolly he's like yay i'm happy to be here and all this stuff and i'm gonna take a bath so (laughs) yep The the thing jolly people do that you can't trust them for bathing their cleanliness um so yeah i my first like that that obviously happens later but my first first impression was like okay this guy seems awfully cheerful maybe he's a good guy maybe he's cheerful because of the murder he's gonna commit yes So, Morio then explains that uh, at the end of the Edo period, a beautiful girl came to the pond and played her flute, which caused the color to change. She entertained people. One day, a rich merchant became interested in the girl and built a mansion near the pond. She accepted his marriage proposal, but had two conditions. The pond belonged to her, and no one was to go in it. Um, this is very much like the crane wife. Yeah. Where, uh, you don't want to marry the mysterious, beautiful woman that has conditions where, like, you can't go here. I feel like there's so, so many legends like this where there's, what, what What's like, the, uh, marriages what's the moral and... here? Just don't trust women? Mysterious <laughs> women? Don't, man, don't, don't pick up women randomly and be like you are marrying me now so it shocker here the merchant broke his promise and he didn't just like go in the, it's not like he just like yeah, i'm gonna go first swim in the pond today this motherfucker <laughs> uh, like this had to take time too so i don't know what she was doing the entire time so he makes a bedroom in the middle of the pond <laughs> how did she it's not, not like notice is made overnight yeah, like, do you know how many people and construction has to be done to make an entire room in the middle of a pond? Right. You know, you have to build the bridge. Like, there's so much going on here. And she's, I guess she was in her demon slumber for, like, months. And then she wakes up and she's like, did you make this bedroom? And he's like, I'm sleeping in it. What do you Where think? Where did this come from? 
Yeah, he just made it for himself too. Like she's not allowed to sleep in it. He's like, well, you had conditions. These are my conditions. Yeah, so this guy becomes pissed off. He's like, how dare you? How dare you? And then it's not like, okay, let's go to therapy. Let's work things out. He winds up killing her over this, which is like, why'd you get married in the first place? Anyhow. Okay, the idea of couples therapy in the Edo period is just so funny to me. I don't know. Um, but, they could have talked this out as long as that. Well, yeah. It's, um... Oh, later. Okay, I have... Yeah, it's just like, what a reason to kill your wife. Like, you don't like my tea house. Goodbye. So he drowns her in the pond, and then he lives peacefully ever after. So For, like, I mean, a the day. moral here is, if the woman gets uppity, drown her in the pond, you know? Nothing bad's gonna happen. Yeah, do it the Edo way. Um... So one night, a boa appears from the lake, and it attacks the merchant. The snake was said to be uh, the demon of the girl. And, the demon uh, the of merchant, the, the guy who dropped his donut at Tim Hortons. The mer- <laughs> yeah, it's very similar. And, uh, the merchant's injured, he's bleeding, and he goes inside to the bedroom, and he has all these talismans up. So he's like, well, the demon can't enter. I'll be safe. However, the demon just circles out there for days. Because, like, what else is he going to do? He's a demon. He has no other hobby or thing (laughs) to do. So it's like, I'll just wait him out. So he's like, damn, I'm getting hungry. I could really go for some tea right now, but all I have is hot water. You mean the demon doesn't go out to play bingo with his demon prince? He doesn't. Or her demon prince. So after, like, dealing with all his hot water, the man kills himself. And he, he hangs himself, and that's the end. Okay, so this whole legend was so sketched to me. Um, and it might just have been the translation, but the way that you described it semi-made sense. Um, the, the subs were literally like, and the man got tired, so he hung himself. It's like, okay. <laughs> Maybe he got tired of waiting, got tired of, you know, being scared of this demon. Not just like, oh, I'm sleepy, but I want eternal slumber. And so the the way this all comes back around, uh, Moria says that the reason why the colors change of the water is because the demon takes the girl's appearance and plays the flute. So I guess there's this woman there playing a flute that we never hear or see. but And hey, it has nothing knows. to do with the sunlight reflecting on the water. <laughs> nope. No. So, as the story comes to an end, the housekeeper comes back and invites them all to the tea room. They learn that the son isn't coming, as he isn't interested in tea ceremonies. Kogoro is surprised that he hasn't met the headmaster yet, but Morio says that he barely comes out these days, and Yukari says he refuses to cross the bridge alone. So he seems pretty uh, superstitious. Even with all his talismans and... Oh, well, that comes later. We didn't We didn't know about that yet. So, the housekeeper calls to the master, but receives no answer. And Kegger is like, hey, what happened? Did he get eaten by a demon? <laughs> Everyone's like, too soon, Kogoro, too soon. Uh, so, Kegger opens the door, and we see the old man master there. And he's like, what are you doing? And Kogoro's like, ah, I saw the demon. <laughs> it must have been the demon. So the man yells at Kagura for spying out on him, and he's like, this is a sacred place, get out of here! 
And uh, the housekeeper explains that Kogoro is the substitute. And Conan notices a water will cross from the room. It's explained that it gives water to the river and that it's electricity powered and comes on at a specified time. So it's not like a fully operational water wheel that's always going on. That's some fancy water wheel. It must have been added after the fact. Like, imagine the guy built not only this house on water without his wife noticing, but also this water wheel. Yes, I I got really good at electricity in the Edo period. I'm ahead of my time, but I'm so tired. Uh, Just for the record here, the Edo period uh, was between 1603 and 1867. So it was near the end, so it would be like 1860, I guess. Uh, Electricity was invented 1821. Huh, how about that? So I guess there could have been. Wow, maybe. So all the more reason, how could she not notice this construction work happening? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he had to get an electrician yeah. in there Unless he did it himself The more you know So the headmaster apologizes to Kogoro And everybody's introduced Kona notices talisman all over the room Which Colleen was talking about And they realize that they're, they really are scared of this demon in the pond So that they're very superstitious And then Morio's like Master sir have you received the teacup that I sent you? Time for some brown nosing. Yeah, and he's like, oh, this is great. We'll use it at tonight's ceremony. And Yukari seems very jealous because of this. And the headmaster then says that the tea ceremony will be his last. And everybody's like, what? Your last? I can't believe this. You're only 97 years old. <laughs> you still have a good 97 years left in you. So we then, uh, so they leave the place, um, and we get this hilarious scene of Kogoro trying to walk. And I'm, at first, I'm like, "What the hell's going on here? Why can't he just walk?" You just get a close up of like Kogoro's sock, yeah, and him like very awkwardly placing. Oh. <laughs> This is really embarrassing. Like, my ah, leg ah, just ah. fell asleep as well. And, uh, <laughs> but Kogoro's leg falls asleep and he just can't walk. He falls. The poor guy. Um, he's, he's having a rough day Colleen. We've all been there. The pins and needles. When's the last time your leg fell asleep, Colleen? Mm, probably earlier today. Oh, wow. I don't know. I, I don't really track it, but it happens often enough. Okay. So if you sit or have your legs crossed for too long, the pressure can briefly compress nerves in your leg. That So because of this, your brain and the nerves in your legs can't really communicate like they should. Oh, okay. Huh. See, that makes sense because I sit cross-legged or cross-legged? I have my legs tucked under my thighs like I don't sit like normally, like normal people do. I see. Yeah, I was going to say, like, why, why is this happening every day <laughs> to you? I'm like, I was like, man, is something wrong with you? Is that, that makes sense then. I see. So that's the science between legs falling asleep. 
Uh, Ron is embarrassed by her father, and uh, everybody exits the tea room, allowing the headmaster to prepare for the ceremony later, and he tells nobody to bother him. Yukari then exits the ceremony. She's like, I got a small errand to do. I'll be back. They're like, really? You're leaving? And she's like, the shit's taking four hours. I don't have have (laughs) shit to do. I have a company to run. How rude. And uh, Ron then remarks that the pond is now green. You can see through it. And she's then told it will be red once the sun sets. So once again, Ron's role is to look at the (laughs) pond, remark what color it is. And then just, she, it's like uh, she's used to track the passage of time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, not many flashlights to hold in this episode. No, there's no flashlights. Ryochi then runs in asking why the fishing rods have been broken and burned. And the housekeeper reveals that the master told her to do this. Okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a shitty housekeeper. Like, I get it was an order, but you're just going to take some other person's, like, personal property and burn them just because you were told? Right. Like... She could have told him, like, because he's the young master, so she's, like, yeah. second in command, I suppose you could say. So she could have at the least warned him about it. The family dynamic here. Yeah, the family dynamic's very uh, toxic and messed up, and, uh... Ryoichi's like super angry and Morio tells him to wait to confront his father as there's guests there. And uh, Morio explains that Ryoichi is so upset because uh, his only hobby in life is fishing. It's all he does. Like, I wonder wonder if the master is like, kid, all you do is fish all damn day. Do do, do something good with your life. Yeah, like tea ceremony trading. Tea ceremonies. Um... So it turns out last year when the tea room was completed, the master's wife died of a heart attack and the wife believed in the legend. It was against the room being built. So uh, history is repeating itself, Colleen. Indeed it is. And Maria says, between us pupils, there have been rumors where some have seen the demon's shadow. What does that even mean? (laughs) Like, you looked in the water and, like, it looked like a snake. (laughs) There's so much wrong with that. So, there have been rumors. There's literally, like, two students here. So, I don't know where the rumors (laughs) are coming from. Um, Demon's shadow also, very vague. Like, the demon itself was ghost-like. So, for it to have a shadow on top of that, I don't know how anyone's seeing any of this. Yeah, so Ron's like, oh, he must be really believe in the, the legend but uh moria says the the headmaster claims that it, it's just a stupid superstition but uh all of his behavior clearly acts otherwise because he's afraid to cross the bridge and he has all those talisman uh moria then's like peace guys i'm out to take a <laughs> bath and so how how did you react to this because this is just like out of the blue for me well, I mean, I guess it was every just getting everybody to leave the room so we could have murder suspects. Because she left to do the the chores. He's like, I gotta get out of here. It's just, I know they said it takes four hours, but if I'm at a gathering, I don't think I'm gonna take a bath, you know? Well, that's the thing. Like, I totally agree with you. Like, story purpose-wise, yeah, we needed everyone to leave. But 
like just realistically speaking you have these strangers who have come for this tea ceremony and okay so one person had to leave to do their work another person went but like the guy who's like i'm going to take a bath that was just the strangest one of all for me yeah i don't know if that's like a, a regular occurrence at these tea ceremonies or like ron and kegra are rude for not bathing like i don't know it's just like if it's a weird custom if uh let me go back to the wiki page. Japanese tea ceremony. I'm going to control F bath. So let's see. There's nothing about a bath. This guy is a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's the only this logical guy's a certified freak. All right. Or a murderer. <laughs> weirdo or murderer. Those are his only options. Yeah. So we figured out the case now. Um, while he exits, um, we then cut to the headmaster. He's preparing the ceremony and then the tea room door opens and he looks terrified as he looks on. So something bad's happening. Maybe that's just how he looks. It's like his in the zone face. Meanwhile, uh, as time passes, Conan asks Ryochi, uh, about the fish he caught and he's looking at prints in the building. I've never seen anybody with actual, like, fishing prints. Uh, they kind of look cool, you know, like a big record of uh, the big fish you caught. I've never, I, I guess I don't know many fishermen. But I also, like, I see a lot of, like, uh, like prized fish. You know how they'll, you know, like, in a, have them mounted? Mm -hmm. like a Like a hunting trophy? Yep. Like I, that I wonder if fish, like the, but the a real one yeah, like the, sing. yeah i wonder if like the prints are more of a japanese thing or if i'm just not around enough fishermen you know actually that's a really good point i didn't even think about that because i'm like eating raw fish is more common in japan so maybe it's seen as like a waste if you don't actually eat the fish so he'll like sketch it out and then use it for food or maybe he'll let it go i don't know but yeah like either mounting them on those plaques or i've seen like photos like people just take photos especially if it's like a yeah a huge, yeah definitely seen super photos. big fish they'll like stand beside it or whatever but uh, look at this big old fish <laughs> it's a tuna dude tuna how big are tunas man uh <laughs> it blew my mind like I don't know. I just always thought they were like tiny fish, and the first time I saw a tuna, I was like, "What the hell is going on?" They're probably like. I think I like conflated them with forearm. like sardines or something. Oh, okay. I don't know, <laughs> but like I was just I was like, "What? It's massive tuna are just some big boys." <laughs> How do they get them in those small containers? Right. <laughs> I thought people were eating whole tuna. No. Those tin cans or whatever. Ain't nobody eating a whole tuna. No, you're just getting like because, a piece of You know, they come in cans. I mean, I guess it's just a very small amount of tuna. But uh, I don't know. I wonder how many cans of tuna you get out of one tuna. You know what I mean? I'm not sure. I'm, I bet there's a wiki page for it. They're massive. They're bigger than 
us, man. Are they, oh, they're that <laughs> big? Okay, I totally... Some of them are. Some of them. The well-fed ones. Like, yeah. Like, I don't... I don't... I, I understand sharks are big. But, like, an actual fish being that big is beyond terrifying to me. <laughs> like, okay, the shark's a mammal, you know? It's given live birth. Cool. But a fucking fish? It comes from an egg and then it gets so big? Yeah. That's not godlike. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? God made a mistake here. <laughs> there's a, there's a, he must have that's like something that comes from the devil. He must have like, been supersized by accident uh-uh. when he made this tuna. It's not right. Like, what? Are, how big's those eggs, you know? <laughs> They're like Dragon Ball. Are they tiny? <laughs> Okay, now I'm just getting tuna on, like, deviled eggs, <laughs> which is not very helpful. Uh, tuna eggs, real? <laughs> I don't I don't know how to Google this. And the Are tunas that I, bigger I'm than sharks? Tuna on eggs. Some of them, I think, are. Tuna bigger than sharks. Let's find this out. Let's find this answer. Tuna are often faster, fitter, and bigger than sharks, according no to Nat Geo. Okay. <laughs> Reaching well over 113 kilograms. I don't know what that is, because I'm not... We don't use that <laughs> weight system. Um, 249... Oh, they're big boys, Colleen. I am astonished. This is the first time I've actually looked into tuna weight. I thought tunas were, like, as big as salmon, maybe. No, they're so big. <laughs> okay. I, I think I'm enjoying it. I, I put tuna height tuna in the Google. Height. And it gave me an actor named Owner Tuna. Maybe He's tuna six foot length. five, which is impressive, but not really what I was looking for. Although, I bet a tuna, an actual <laughs> fish tuna, is bigger than that. Okay. Uh, so, they re- there's many types of tuna. The bullet tuna. Okay, I'm going to act like an expert, but I'm just reading the Wikipedia page. So the bullet tuna have a maximum weight about 1.6 feet. So, you know, pretty meh on the tuna scale. But that's the smallest tuna. But when we go up the scales of the tuna, we reach the Atlantic bluefin tuna. These are the big boys. We're talking 4.6 meters. That's up to 15 feet, Colleen. That's a big tuna. Yeah, that's... (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. It weighs up to 1,500 pounds. That's 684 kilograms. I think you found your new calling in life, Tyler. Like, you should just take that little clip and send it to, like, the fish network. And you could be that guy who, like, announces for fishing competitions. Crikey, mate! (laughs) These big, blue, beautiful bastards can live up to 50 years out in the open sea. Unless guys like Ryoichi go and get them. They're a predator, too, man, these fish. Well, I mean, they're so big. What? Are... Well, yeah, they eat sharks for breakfast. I don't think they eat the sharks. I don't think they can eat the shark. But, uh, because I don't think, I think they just eat a bunch of smaller ones, you know? Okay, well, now that we know how smaller big fish. tuna can get... How many cans? Maybe a baby shark. <laughs> oh, baby Has shark. a tuna ever... Oh, killed a human. I like this one. Let's find out. 
<laughs> Can a tuna fish kill a human? Let's find out. Extremely unlikely. Why is that? Because they're not vicious. That? Did you actually type that? Why not? Why do tuna not kill humans? <laughs> when they are so big. Oh, man. Tunas, man. They're wild. Bluefish tuna are nothing but muscle. Okay, so it can't hurt you though when the blue fin, the big old fifteen footer, when just it's, whips you know twisting around, whips you in the head. You could get a little, yeah, you might get a concussion or something. So this guy maybe he did like the guy who in the legend saw a demon. What he actually was seeing was this giant tuna in his pond. Oh, you know what? Up in Quebec, in Canada, yeah, um, <laughs> we a, uh, woman. A woman caught a tuna weighing 620 pounds, yeah. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why... This is a news story on thehill.com. That a woman caught a big tuna. It's bigger than her. It's a big-ass tuna. See, how did she catch it? Like, she doesn't... Did she have... The company said the value of the catch is between $7,000 and $8,000. For a fish? She makes some pretty good money catching some good tuna. <laughs> well, I might have to reconsider my career. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe that's both our lives calling. Uh, <laughs> I'll talk about fish and you can become a tuna hunter. Yeah, I'll go catch them and then you can comment on them. Wow, we really went on a tangent from fish. Fish prints, <laughs> whatever the hell this was. Giant tuna. All right, so Conan was looking at the fish prints. He was like, "Wow, this is pretty cool." <laughs> you don't have any um, tuna yeah. here. Mario's like, "Yeah, Ryuichi's a great fisherman." And the security sensor then goes off. Conan looks outside, and they see Yukari looking on restlessly while she's carrying like a secret box. It's then four o'clock. And the lake turns red, the color of death. Dun, dun, dun. Yukari remarks how hot she is, and they're like, where were you? And she's like, I'm not telling you. Why would I tell you? And she's saying, I'll do what I want. She's saying how hot she is, like, like temperature-wise, right? She's not like, oh, look at me. A little bit of both. She's kind of <laughs> feeling herself. Can't blame her. Um, and Kenan's like, wow, she's really sweating. She must have been in a rush. Maybe she's the one that needs to take a bath. Yeah, good idea. And Morio, like, he wasn't even hot and bothered. He was just like, I'm going to take a bath now, and I'm perfectly clean. While Yukari and Morio argue, Ryoichi learns that it's his father's last tea ceremony. Yukari then says that Morio is looking forward to the retirement, and he yells at her. He says, don't you assume things. You know what happens when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. And she's like, wow. That's exactly what he said. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that was. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can't believe I made an ass out of you and oh me. My God. Oh I'm my so God. I'm so hot. Not just so temperature wise. <laughs> Not just temperature wise. Um, so she says she was wrong. And then immediately afterwards, she's like, I'm sorry. Ah! And she screams as she looks out at the pond. And they're like, what's wrong? And she just points. She can't say anything. So they look. And uh, through a window, they see that the headmaster has hung himself in the tea room. Because he got tired. 
He got tired. Got tired of waiting so for all these Kenan, people to take their baths. <laughs> Kenan and the rest of the group uh, run over the bridge to the building. They see that there's blood outside the door, which is locked. The other door to the water room is also locked. So Kegger breaks the door down and enters. They arrive, um, and they see the master. He takes his pulse, but uh, he has already passed away. The housekeeper yells that it's the legend that he was killed by the demon. And we see the son fall, fall to his knees and he cries um, as he finds out that his father has passed away. So I'm, I don't doubt that he was sad in this moment, but perhaps a tiny bit glad because now he can just fish all he wants. Yeah, he's like, finally I can fish. Um, so we then see our favorite. Inspector Sango Yukamizo. This was a pleasant surprise. I didn't know he was in this episode. Yeah. And he instantly recognizes Conan and he greets Kogoro. And he's like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> but Mori says, I'm not happy at all to see Aww, you. come on, Kogoro. Why, why do you think Kogoro... Like, you think about Kogoro and you see a man that, like, deeply wants admiration of everybody. And Sango actually gives him that. And he's like, he blows them all. I know. It doesn't make sense. It's like reverse psychology or something like that. Yeah. So Sangha tells him not to be embarrassed. And he's then told about the case. Turns out that the screen was lightly open, but there were bars. So it is effectively a locked room murder case. So it'll be fun to realize how something wasn't locked <laughs> later right? on. Right. Usually... This, like I don't think there's ever been a true locked murder case. Yeah, it's like the guy that checked the water room door was like, yeah, I just lied about it being locked. Right. <laughs> and the estimated time of death is between 3.30 p.m. and 4 p.m. So during that period where everybody was gone. And it turns out while he was bleeding, as we saw outside, he died from being hung. And it's determined to be a suicide. Of course it is. Kogro's on the, the case. Yeah, Kagura points at the blood outside, and he says the headmaster must have cut his wrists on the veranda, but he didn't die. He's like, oh, shucks. <laughs> and so then he hung himself. It's like, well, that didn't work. Plan B. However, Conan doesn't believe that he would be able to lock the door in that scenario, and is suspicious of this. Because he's a detective, and he's supposed to be suspicious. Kagura could learn a lot. Yeah, no, instead Kogro's like, get out of here, Conan. So Conan notices that the water well begins to turn, and afterwards Conan notices pinholes on the inside of the entrance door. Hmm. Then looks at the end of the rope that hung the victim, and it looks cut at the end in a strange manner, as half of it was cut by a sharp object, and then the rest was ripped off. So it very abruptly changes how it was uh, cut here. And then inside the room, it's noted that the scroll is spread out on the floor as he was getting ready for the tea ceremony. Kegger says, while he was preparing, he suddenly chose death. That's probably what happened. Oh, good so, job, Kogoro. <laughs> you know, he was going to do this elaborate thing, but he just said, fuck it, and killed himself. Very normal. Like this, why bother having my last tea ceremony today? Kenan realizes that he didn't finish writing on the scroll and then finds pieces of woods on it and on the tatami mat. Then notices there's no mark on the beam he was hung from. 
and then nearly gets beat by Koguro after he backs into him. Conan then goes, I want a piggyback ride. And Koguro's like, I'll give you a piggyback ride. He goes to swing at him. <laughs> but Conan manages to get on his back. And he, uh, this is all so he can examine this beam. So he, it's a very fun way to get Conan up there. Oh, definitely. This was some, like, prime Koguro Conan comedy. <laughs> Sorry, comedy. Yeah, once he gets up there, he finds that there's a mark where the rope wasn't, and it's a fresh one. And Kegger finally gets Kenan off his back, and the child's left clinging to the beam. And he's like, help me. He'll let me down. I'm a, just a little kid. Hilarious. I'm counting. Later on, everybody says it's the work of the demon, as the blood marks on the veranda and the way he died are all similar to the legend Kegura says it's definitely <laughs> uh, definitely a suicide. Definitely. But Conan says to himself that it's wrong as it's a murder. And he says, one of these people used a clever trick to kill the headmaster and made it look like a suicide. Who is it? The real demon who blames it on a demon. You could have just said the person if you know it, Conan. You don't have to speak in riddles. Oh, he has to make it dramatic, though. And uh, the episode ends with that. So there's been a murder... Somebody did it, Colleen. What a novel twist for this series. Yeah, and of course, Kogro claiming that suicide. All very new things that we're seeing here. Very new. Um, so before we recap um, our thoughts on the episode, let's give a thanks to our wonderful highest tier Patreon supporters. Shout out to medium-sized Jeffrey, not too big, not too small. The perfect size Jeffrey. Oh, that's a new one. Instead I, of medium size, let's I get, just say perfect size. <laughs> I get I get sick of like all these big Jeffries, you know. <laughs> I'm like, yes, all those so problems. much of my They're day like as big as tuna. Dealt dealing with these 650 pound Jeffries. I'm like, you know, hey, you know, a lot of Jeffries is a good thing, but this is a little too much. Give me a medium sized, the perfect size. <laughs> That's all I want. Shout out to the Swole King himself, Ryan Self. Our favorite detective, Spencer Young. William Lee, former guest of the show. And the Big Chief Mason. So, thank you all for your support. Couldn't do it without you guys. We really couldn't. So, thank you guys for your continued support and for being patient. (laughs) And so the, the next Conan's hint here is a water will. Okay. The yeah. electricity powered water wheel. And you'll never guess, Colleen, what the next episode will cover is. Mm, I think you're going to have to give me a hint. The Water Palace of Five Colors Legend Part 2. Oh, okay, there you go. And we'll continue this story. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I imagine um, that was just the end. Say. Like, oh, we never find out <laughs> what happened. <laughs> it was actually a suicide. Kogoro was right. So, Colleen, what's your thoughts on this uh, first part of this mystery? Um, Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to, like, poke holes in and laugh about. Um, like, the legend and sort of the reason behind the lake turning colors. And I get it. I'm I'm all for myths and legends i i love that kind of stuff i love folklore but the way that 
and it might have just been the translation like I mentioned earlier but the way that it was all sort of presented it didn't really come across as super believable to me um but that's okay uh I did enjoy the Kogro moments he had a lot of good comedic moments with his leg falling asleep and just the fact like that he <laughs> like at the beginning I'm pretty sure there was some little uh conversation between him and Ron and he's like this is why I don't like being substitute for people and it's just like why did you agree to come here like you had a choice this wasn't even a job to do um so yeah lots of good comedy from Kogro and uh especially that little scene he had with Conan and uh, uh like at the crime scene that was good wonderful seeing Sango again we always love it um the Kogoro super fan and uh yeah I'm I'm fairly certain that I remember how this played out um I think it involves like I don't want to give away anything but I think I know who did it and I think the trick involves um swimming so swimming what I'm gonna leave us with Somebody either took a bath or they weren't sweaty. They were wet. Yeah. We'll find mm-hmm. out, I guess. Um, yeah, I thought it was a fun episode. Uh, there was a lot of good comedy in this episode. Um, Kagura falling asleep. He's like falling asleep. Um, the bit with Conan taking the piggyback ride. So those were really like uh, fun moments. I thought I always liked the mythology stuff. I kind of that kind of sets Conan apart from like a lot of other mystery series because you usually don't get like i don't know england's not as inventive you're not (laughs) like oh you know sherlock holmes isn't constantly dealing with cool legends everywhere i mean there's occasionally some stuff but not to the the regularity of canon um so that's cool i always like the mythology stuff and and I always like when we can learn about customs of Japan. So, like, I learned so much about tea ceremonies today and the size of tuna, which <laughs> doesn't really have anything to do with the episode. That was kind of just a tangent. But, you know, it's sort of related to tea, I guess. They both start with no, the letter not. T. Thank you, Colleen. Um, so I always like when I get to learn something from the episode and uh, the tea ceremony stuff. Like, it's always cool when you can use Conan as a breaching off point to learn about other customs and other parts of a, you know, a different, um, I don't want to say civilization, but like a different cultural aspects or traditions. Yeah. Culture. Yeah. Like there's, they have stuff about like flower arrangements and I'm not sure. Oh yeah. There's like the traditional, uh, what's it called? Like the plays that they put on in Japan. So yeah, it's it's definitely a unique kabuki. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's all cool. We get to learn. And, like, uh, Conan, for as long as it goes, like, there's so much part of, like, the tourism industry in Japan. So they just like, let's go to this landmark today and somebody's going to die. It's such a funny way to promote, like, a location. We're like, we're going to show you the wonders of these mountains by having somebody die there. And it's like, I don't know, like, you're highlighting it, but maybe not in the best of ways. Okay, but what's worse, actually that. doing that as a promotional thing or the people who actually are like, hey, I saw this on Detective Conan. This is when that guy died. I wanted to visit this place. Yeah, I'm not 
I'm not sure how effective it ultimately is, but maybe it works. I don't know. I'd be too afraid I was going to get murdered in the same, like, terrible, but like shockingly well put together way. But, um, yeah. So that'll do it for our coverage of the Water Palace of Five Colors Legend Part 1. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening. And remember, one truth always prevails. <laughs>